Come on kids, now gather round Grab a log and sit right down What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground It's the campfire shit show And now, your camp counselors Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. Today, we're talking to wow. one of I'm very excited. I'm reverberating. <laughs> One of truly, you guys, my favorite humans on this planet. Yeah. My friend and great podcaster and actress and comedian, Don Brody. Don Brody. She's a beast. She's a fucking beast, which we will hear today, but she's a really smart, talented beast. I would refer to her as like a snapdragon. Yeah. You know, she's got like this sass to her. Like, I can't tell if she like is a chain smoker or addicted to like uh lollipops but she <laughs> seems like she could be both yeah she right? chain smokes lollipops oh there yeah. you go i was excited for you guys to meet i couldn't believe that you haven't met yet because she is a good friend of mine yeah. and she has been for months but i thought i'm like she's just enough of like a piss ball buster pisser for i'm like i f- could see you and her sitting at a bar for hours 100%. just like yeah you guys are 100%. like little because I can Good see friends. that we would be funny and one up each other, but yeah. always in a playful and in, in a in a way that's helping one another. Yeah, not like competitive, but like oh, and then this, and then we'd be, just be laughing. Yeah, I'll sit inside. Okay, before we talk to her directly, I just wanted to give a little quick bio. Sure, because it's funny and cool. So she's from Minneapolis. She did a lot of theater and improv. She's also lived on a houseboat. She's a freelance writer. She's worked for Netflix, Paramount, uh, an actress. You, you've seen her in Pretty Little Liars, Days of Our Lives. I was a teenage wear skunk. I haven't heard of what? that one, but that's amazing. She oh, also, that should be at the top of her list. Yeah. Uh, she hosted, so she lived in a trailer trailer for a while, and she hosted a trailer trash talent review, which like is so funny. And then I love in her bios, she said she wrote, she also has a husband and baby, but who cares? <laughs> and then Dawn just recently launched the Hilf podcast, which has been doing very, very well. I'm very Hilf, proud of her. The Hilf podcast, which you're going to hear a lot more. And we're, th- this episode with this guest is really awesome because she really dives into this idea of Hilf, which is yeah. history I'd like to fuck. Yeah. So we asked some questions about historical figures. She tells us some stuff. She is a historian, like we said, and uh, y- you're really going to like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's not fuck around. No, I am so excited Please, to roll around in the sleeping get bag. Get in with the Dawn. sleeping bag this week with our very special guest, Don Brody. <laughs> and then we sat, and yeah. our lunchtime activity was going through all of our past guests and yeah. like uh, how many we would each have sex with. Oh, great! Yeah, isn't that a great, a great thing? Well, I think it's, I think it's better when it's teachers with their students. Like, oh. Which of your students would you fuck? Oh. I think yes. that that's nice. My my kindergarten teachers would have gone off on me. Ow, like, Mrs. This Land, this little shit. <laughs> Bo had less people. Well, I knew. In fact, the only reason I did is I wanted to prove to Meryl that like she has a lot, and so I was like, "There's not even anybody in our past that okay." I was like, "Oh, well, okay, maybe one or two. Seven. But hold on, it oh. turned into as we went through the hit, uh, the the roll call of 207 episodes, I realized there are probably seven people that I could possibly fuck. So okay. you're not fantasizing. No, you're straight. Like, I'm just would they like, fuck me? Yeah, I, I would. Would they fuck me? Is yeah, a totally different. Question. <laughs> oh, then it probably oh God, double. Yeah. It would double. The, mine was would shrink down to double. nothing. Yeah. No. Oh, <laughs> I really can't think. I think like all 2000 or 207 would like walk out and strike. <laughs> but I was trying to prove a point that like Meryl wants to fuck all of our guests, all of them. And then she's like, no, that's not true. And then we started going through. 
and literally there were only like two or three people. No. Hold on. Two or three men who uh, were straight that she was like, no, I wouldn't. But like everyone else is like they were either gay or female. And Even that's the some truth. of our non-binaries. Or yeah. I, would, I, would like I know. Po- you're like, possibly, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. One of no, our past when females. You, when you're determining, w- I would fuck them. Do yeah. you have the scenario like they've approached me. They're like, I'm down. And then it's up to me if I say yes or no, or is like, who would I seduce and be like, Ooh. we are alone in the elevator and now is our chance we are going to fuck right now. Ooh. Oh, I mean, those are or, both good questions or, or, or in an apocalypse situation. Yeah. I think it was more like if they had nothing to say about it, would you, would you give it to them? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> if we were like, they don't get a couch. choice. Yeah. They don't get a choice. You're just saying, saying like based off like, okay, their personality and their looks mm-hmm. like, yes, I would allow them to sleep with me. They'd kind be, of thing. they'd win. They'd Th- get it. They would get it. I understand. Yeah. And then there's ones that I was torn on. Like we've had one past guest, a beautiful boy named Luke, who like, I think Luke is very attractive, but he's gay. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so he, I know it's not a shot, but do I say, yes, I'd have sex with Luke? Like that would make yeah, him I don't sad. think you need to take the choice out of Luke's hand. It doesn't sound like a lot of your subjects have a lot of choice regardless. No, that's true. No consent. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of, I mean, if you're asking no. for consent first, then, you know. Yeah. It's too, too sad. Uh, <laughs> that I'm intrigued to know this list. I, I know some of your guests. I'd like to. I th- I'd like to know who you wouldn't fuck because I feel like that's a really low bar <laughs> to get oh under. <laughs> what is this reputation? Like, honestly, somehow my Jack is listening. He's like raising, slowly raising his hand. Is like not fucking me. Yeah. But like, um, uh, there was there was like some thought that went into it where yeah. there was like a few boys that Bo thought was a shoe in. But sure. but they weren't just for whatever reason. Well, there was like a tr- there, I, I turned we're down not some attractive t- ones. We are we definitely not going to mention names. Uh, but uh, I would say there were people that we were really close with. Like I could name one name. One was like uh, Grim Green, right? Yeah. Because that's a close friend of yours. My yeah. friend's husband who's like my dear friend. Right. Who I and just so, like, even in a fantasy scenario, I'm like, oh, I just can't. No. Like, right. Yeah. Okay. And, and of course, that's sort of like why even ask? Because there are just those people in both of our worlds. So it's like, no, that's not even a... Right. Not even an option. Right. right. But then Dave, we had one named Dave okay, Buddha. Now, I'll say yeah, name. Yeah. Dave Buddha is a wonderful uh, polyamorous like sex coach and he's a beautiful tan man. But like, I just am like a no for him. He just doesn't like, or, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't like do it for me. He's a beautiful man, but he doesn't like. He's a beautiful man who's an expert at sex and he was one of the ones that you said no yeah. to. Yeah. Isn't Both, that funny? We've had two sex parts on and I've said I no. Gotta know, I, I got to know what's going I, on. I, honest, I straight up said like, okay, this is definitely a shoe and it's Dave, Dave Buddha. And then she's like, nope, not, not my type. Is it because you'd be worried that he'd be a little bit like, mm, you're not doing it right? Too much experience. No, it's just his his body doesn't, or face doesn't like do it for me. He, but but I'm picking probably like one of the most attractive men on there, but it just doesn't do it for my... Meanwhile, then the, the person right after that was the time that we interviewed a pile of trash. And she's like, definitely, I'm fucking, <laughs> I fucked that. I fucked that. I fucked that. So anyway, we thought that was a good exercise <laughs> yeah. because we are talking to the most fuckable guest. Oh! Don Brody. <laughs> Hi. And I one of my good friends. <laughs> I feel like I'm in such good company. Well, well, also, I mean, there's a second reason because like, Don, you you have a podcast that's called, can you tell us what it's called? Mm-hmm. It's called Hilf History I'd Like to Fuck. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. we're already on that mm-hmm. idea of like, who, who would you like to fuck? And I think that's sort of. Yeah. Exactly. It's a good exercise. It, it is. And, and I don't know if we, do we want to start with this? Because yeah. I feel like we're already here. Let's start Let's with it. Let's just go. So we were talking like, <laughs> we should discuss like, who is someone from history that you wish you could have that opportunity to fuck? Oh, you're asking me? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> 100%. <laughs> you get out, you're like. Oh, you know. Oh, oh, oh. Without a doubt. Utterly no question. 
General George Washington. Oh, really? Oh, mm, daddy. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> the curls. Take out your wooden fathers. teeth and go down on me. Or leave men, shit. You know what? Leave me in. I thought about him because I'm like, but what about the smell of that? There's a smell. Oh, give it to me. There's a <laughs> Really? So why him? Why him? Do you have a reason? Well, he, yes. I mean, there's, there's the physical, which, which, which do you want to hear first? The emotional attraction? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so he is the, he's, he's the, the founding father, first president, right? Sure. And at this particular tumultuous moment in American history in 1776, when George Washington r- rose to be the guy. He was an unlikely hero. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to talk about shit? Like he had fucked up. Like he had almost quit the army. Like anything he had really done in the army had not gone well, which is not to say that he was a buffoon, but he was not like a celebrated, obvious choice for uh-huh. this, right? Um, Lowborn too. His dad, who, who's George Washington's dad? Nobody fucking oh, knows. Yeah. It Mr. Doesn't. Washington. Mr. Mr. Washington. The guy that lets right. us smoke at his house. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. In fact, he only had what he had because he married well. He married wow. a rich widow, Martha Custis. And he was like really down for that. Like he didn't have any qualms about that. And and she was as powerful, if not more powerful than he was in the household and in general. And he consulted with her a lot. And she made him who he was. It was just, you know, no big deal. He believed in the American cause in kind of the way I believe in the American cause, which is like, fuck all the shit, mm-hmm. yeah. but the people can do it. Like he, for example, wasn't you know born into money, so being in the aristocracy wasn't a thing, but he was getting part of what irked him about this whole deal was that he would send his orders to England for stuff every once in a while, tea, suits, tea, silver pots, you know, your imports. And he just didn't feel like they were giving him a fair shake. Like he said, he was like, this isn't the quality that I'm accustomed to. And I don't think I'm getting the best. And he just getting ripped off generally compounded with all of these other egregious things England was doing. He let the politicians argue about what, whether or not we were going to fight for independence. But once they said, yeah, we're going to sign the declaration of independence, which he didn't sign pop quiz. He wasn't a politician. He's a military general, right? He, um, they were like, we, the problem is we don't know what the hell we're going to do militarily. We don't have an army or guns or an organization or a fleet. We have nothing. We don't even know how many guys we have. And we're going to go up against the biggest military on the face of the planet. Yeah. I mean, who's going to lead us? And he would sit in his military general's uniform and just sit. He didn't debate. He didn't raise his hand. He just looked like the guy. He was also like 6'2". <laughs> and um Which and back he then is like up. a seven one now. And, yeah, he, yeah. Like, and he thought he thought he was perfectly proportioned because he would like send orders for suits and they'd come back not fitting him right and he'd be like, I don't know what's wrong. I told him I was perfect. I told him how tall I was and perfectly proportioned. I don't know how they're getting this wrong, man. Anyway, then he was he knew when to retreat. Mm-hmm. And he retreated to great effect. Again, doing what's right, seeing the world as it was. Leading the army across the Delaware on Christmas morning is one of the most courageous, bold moves in history. And the men followed him at that point because he had led them. He had run ahead of their bullets. If they started to retreat, he'd, he'd run back and rather, no, come back, come back. He got the horse shot out from underneath them twice. He had the hat shot off his head four times. He had bullet holes and never jacket. The man never took a bullet. Really? And then the war's over, the unlikely victory, holy shit. And we say, <laughs> be our king. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck have we been doing? If yeah. not, no king. So he basically agrees to be king long enough to declare no kings ever. 
Do you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, oh, okay, you want me to have absolute, you know, okay. Four years. And then we got to do this again. And and he wasn't even going to run again. And then they were like, you got to stay president. He chose commander in chief because he didn't want the language to be too dominant. They were like, anyone else? They're, we're not going to follow him. There's going to be division. There's going to be more civil war immediately. Right. If we're going to fall apart, if you don't say. And he was like, "All right, four more years, but then that's it." I mean, he limited his own power to our collective yeah. survival. And um, I'd fuck his brains <laughs> out. He could twist me up like a pretzel and put me. I'd wear his. I'd wear Martha's clothes. I don't care. You'd be his horse under him getting shot. Like, <laughs> shot. I am telling you, I am hot under the collar for General George Washington. Girl. Girl. Like, he died because leeches sucked his blood out. And I'm really? like, jealous, leeches. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he still remains. Like, cause I was thinking about how you were saying he was such an, a physically active president. And I'm like, when was our last like actual physically active president? Because I mean, like Barack Obama, probably. I mean, he was playing basketball. Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. But who was like in the trenches? Who who was in wars and actually like fighting, fighting? Well, George H. W. was a World War II veteran. JFK was a World War II veteran and celebrated like like drug men up out of the water and Mm. did some pretty miraculous rescue missions. I was going to say the first one that came to mind was JFK being the last like sexy president. I I guess Barack was probably that too. I wonder also if you think that JFK like universally is the most fuckable. Like if we if we pulled like 500 American citizens. I think especially for our racist grandparents. (laughs) Yes. I think think it depends on who you ask. You know, because you show anybody, uh, you know, who would like to have sex with men a picture of JFK there's it's not yeah. like it's terribly subjective like he's handsome he's fit yeah. he looks he's got swept hair and his shirt unbuttoned he's smi- i mean he's very handsome and loved to fuck by all historical yeah. standards yeah yeah and but i think that, that you know there's a certain population that couldn't see barack obama as a sexual object because they're racist <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true and okay so give some context of why you even started hilf like because obviously we could tell you're a historian <laughs> you have some history chops yeah because i was like I, I was gonna go around the table and talk about each person from history one fuck but i'm like uh i have no there's nothing i can say other than that person was hot you know <laughs> you have this entire like story but i'm like mine was gonna be uh well fucking. no i still want to hear i want to hear you're so bad though Bo, before yeah, yeah. transfixed accidentally <laughs> Anne Frank and Helen Keller. Yeah. And he was saying that he wa- he was like, but wasn't Anne Fr- Frank like blind and deaf? And I'm like, oh my God, are you thinking of, because I'm like, I, I was I thinking of you, Helen like, Keller. I was like, well, then I could, I don't have to worry about any, you know, any body issues or anything like that. You could just kind of like, you could cheat on her. Yeah. You could cheat her. on her and she wouldn't even know. It's like, it's a whole, it's a whole kink. But you would also like Anne Frank because she's like little and can fit well, in Well, let's places. be honest. Yeah, you could Anne put her in a Frank closet. knew how to keep quiet. <laughs> yeah. You would also like her. She's scared and like little and it can That's fit. So like, true. Girl, girl, keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, and you're German, be, so she's scared of you. Otherwise, no, it would be no. uh, Mary Todd Lincoln because I feel like she's crazy. She'd probably get real wild in in those yeah. big dresses. Oh yeah, know. Mary Todd, break your dick up. I bet for <laughs> sure, Mary Todd, break your dick up. Hundred percent. Also, if you like crazy, um, do you know Zelda Fitzgerald? Oh yes. Yes. Mm, she was like, she's uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's like wildly crazy wife. Like, really? Like, in, like put into an institution and she died. Did you know this? 
the the institution she was in caught on fire. She Shut died. up! She died. She died in a fire in in the institution. Oh, that is some ghost. Can you imagine that's... it? Can you imagine anything scarier no. than, a, than an institution on fire? No. I mean, it's like a metaphor for like <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a shit show. That is wow. Yeah, I mean, we already know mine. We did a whole episode on it. Shameless plug for yeah, James K. Polk, James K. Polk, daddy, which we had to tackle a lot of issues because James K. Polk owned some slaves and did some not very nice things. But that was just you know, back in the day. So did George Washington. George Washington isn't off the hook with that either. Yeah. And oh, he, yeah. I mean, you know, he, those teeth, by the way, were not wooden. They were slaves' teeth. No. In his mouth? Mm-hmm. Why do they even say that they're wooden? Well, I think there were some wooden parts because they, you, the kids know about the wooden teeth and tell them about the slaves' teeth. It gets you in the Jesus. Home. No, he, 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 but, and this is like a but that is unnecessary. He was a slave owner, so fuck him. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I will fuck him, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not here to like apologize for any like slaveholders. I do think there, there may be room for context in some, because there, I don't know, it matters. Information can be yes. useful. Um, he, willed his slaves to freedom he didn't inherit like his slaves were not given away like he had said there was there was some room there and he was told in his lifetime by a fierce abolitionist a quaker i forget the guy's name wrote him a letter and said you're the father founding father uh, you know founding of our country your name will be legendary and he was already legendary in his lifetime he knew what a big deal he was and this quaker was like you really want to seal the deal you have to abolish slavery you need to get rid of slavery in America and you need to free all your own slaves or history will forever have an asterisk next to your name, which is the one we discuss here and you can never get away from it, which is, yeah, he was pretty great. But, but yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you think like <clears throat> Trump will go, will be in historians' eyes? Like You mean be, the most unfuckable president on the planet? Who knows though? Because I mean, I guess time I will think tell. He'll be, I think he'll, I think he'll be a silly sidebar. Yeah. To the historical moment that he seemed to dominate. Um, do you know her Hoover, um, President Hoover? Yeah. Um, he wasn't an idiot like Trump was, but he fucked up a lot, and it's part of the reason why we got into the depression, and part of the part of the reason why we, we prohibition. He really just stepped in it. He he was the president before it all got really bad, and uh-huh. it was in part because you know, and they called those um, like homeless encampments that started popping up Hoovervilles. Because of how bad he was, and like prohibition, Pat, because he just didn't have the stuff to like be a good president. He's considered like one of the worst presidents, but he wasn't himself such an idiot. I mean, I I cannot think of another president that in their lifetime or even after was considered such a dummy. Like Gerald Ford was made fun of on Saturday Night Live because he fell down a couple times, but like, yeah, what about they were just reaching? They were reaching for whatever they could. Yeah, I think I think Bush seems like kind of a dumb dumb. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, he was kind of a but he was still a Harvard grad who not that that matters. Like, right, you know what I mean? He and he seemed like a smart dumb. Mm. Yeah, and at least he like runs in the circles of the smart. mm -hmm. He's a, he's a dumb within smart. He also seemed like one of those people who's like comfortable with what they're dumb about. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't as readily as Trump, it seemed be like, I know everything about that. He'd be like, I never heard of that before. I don't know what that is. You know, I and, love that and- <laughs> one famous clip where he's talking about how they're going to go get all the terrorists and stuff. He's like, now watch this amazing drive. And then he hits the golf ball. Have you guys seen that? No, it's no. fucking unbelievable. You can't even believe that it exists, but like it does. Oh. It's like he's doing like almost like a he's answering questions on the golf course. And he's like, now watch this amazing drive. And he's oh. like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he hits the golf ball. It's like, this is what you're. What? Yeah. yeah. So For then Fred how do you because on Hilf you switch to a different 
person every week every two weeks your episodes come out every two weeks but then like there's no kind of rhyme or reason you're not going in a linear way so how do you because each each week you're doing like a or each episode you're doing like a whole book report and then some so if you don't know about someone like how much research do you do for each episode it, it depends so I'm a new podcast and one of the things I do is I invite my guests to assign me the subject right you tell me what you want to fuck and then mm. I go do the research mm. and I did that on purpose because I'm able to research my own stuff that I'm really interested in and did all of 2020 I read everything <laughs> and um and so it was really sort of also a challenge for me to get into new stuff stuff I don't know about um and people have I didn't know anything about James K. Polk was a was a new one for me but because I'm a new podcast sometimes people are like I don't know what you mean I'm not sure. What do you mean? I should assign you something. So I sort of am like, well, here are five. Here's some oh, options. You know, here's some nice. things that I kind of either know something about already, have some research done already, can catch up, um, or I think you'll find, you know, really fuckable. So <laughs> some of the subjects I had a lot of research already in my brain pan, uh-huh. <laughs> and that was um, John Dillinger, Frankenstein. <laughs> um, but the ones I started with cold were D.B. Cooper and James K. Polk, the ones that were assigned to me. Mm. Um, and then I'm doing one right now. The one that I'm researching is about the spice trade. Isn't that crazy? Nice. Just the one picked cinnamon. Was, he, then... he was like cinnamon. I was like, like a stripper cinnamon? Like, I don't know her. And he was like, no, like the spice trade. Oh, amazing. So that's super cool. And then um, I read at least one book and usually watch at least one documentary because I'm trying to do more than like a Wikipedia search on the subject, give you a proper historian's, right. you know, deep dive. And so depending, uh, it usually takes about two weeks for me to research an episode and they come out every two weeks. So I always have to kind of stay ahead yeah. <laughs> an episode moving. or two or I, I can find myself behind the eight ball on that. Yeah. After wow. like a year, you're going to have the biggest collection. Of, oh, you're going to have the biggest collection of like, uh, the Paleozoic era or like, you know, like when, when how a whale developed. Because I was just watching a video on how a whale basically started as like a little, almost it looked like an anteater and then it evolved in the ocean and then it got like its little paddles and then it turned into a whale. And I feel like you're going to get to the spot where it's like, you know, 100 BC or whatever. And then we'll be learning about all that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a much better like Jeopardy contestant. Like I'll be a dynamite trivial pursuit partner for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a time period? Like, I, I really wish I could see the, like, the beginning of, of, like, just mammals and just, like, that type of era where all the dinosaurs were. So. It's really, it's one of the best things about history is that there's, uh, obviously, you know, this morning qualifies. You know, it's, it is this yeah. ever broadening uh, yeah. pool. Um, so for the time period you're talking about, uh, it is historians, but it, it starts to get more into a paleontologist, uh, scientific pursuit of history because we don't have language to decipher. We don't have plays to read. We don't have sort of a, a cultural record, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to look at. Then you get into the realm of, of science to try to figure out what's going on there. But one of the things I do love is historiography, <laughs> oh, God, which is real which is a yet. real nerdy history stuff because it's the study of history right so oh. the study of the study of history so how do for example historians um from 2021 are going to look at history through the lens of 2021 which includes trump and barack obama and all these things right whereas historians looking at the declaration of independence from 1950 mm. are looking through the lens of post-World War II, everything's going great, pre-civil rights movement, you know what I mean? So you, yes. you, And so if I, in 2022, am picking up a source written in 1950 about the Constitution, as a historiographer, I am now studying the history 
of the study of the history That's of the Constitution so to me. versus turning to you and saying, I now can tell you the definitive history. Okay, of, yeah. You know, and do you feel like any responsibility to be as impartial politically like and kind of remove yourself as like a partisan person when you're studying history because that's that's one thing I, I like I take issue with sometimes if I am reading a, like something with a historian was if they do have once like a really strong slant one way or another it turns me off a little mm-hmm. yes and no for the podcast um I lean into what's fuckable uh-huh. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and I your, that's your I lean into it yeah and I and I but I don't I wouldn't say I'm certainly not trying to be divisive. And I guess I am trying not to be now Mm -hmm. that you asked the question, meaning, you know, people do bring up Trump or contemporary politics. I tend to just kind of go over it because I think it can alienate people from the thing we're talking about. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah. know if that answers your no, question it at does. all. I do, but for me, when I'm researching history, I'm not really. I, I don't. I hope I don't have a bias. Everybody thinks they don't have a bias, or that maybe their bias can be overlooked. But I do try to maintain accuracy. So if, even if somebody's like, I, I'll tell you something. I fucking hate Thomas Edison. Could this be? Could this be a bug bite? Oh, you should definitely oh. make this your bug bite. Let's oh. do okay, a bug let's, bite. Let's do a bug oh, bite. Okay. Okay. Yuck! Bug bite. So Thomas Edison fucking sucks and everybody gets a modern light bulb and he sucks and he stole all of the best inventions from Nikolai Tesla and he really tried to drum up fear in the people and he was a monopoly guy. He was just a bad business person, a bad partner. He famously electrocuted an elephant in the center of town as a demonstration of how dangerous the ACDC power that was coming from Tesla was compared to his, I forget the name of his other hand. He was like, as you can see, and he literally murdered an elephant in the middle of the street. Like, Thomas Edison sucks. Okay. I obviously have a bias. So if I'm doing like a right, so if I'm doing like a thing about Thomas Edison, I would I would be like, fuck that guy, he sucks. But if I'm talking to you about the history of the time, I'm not gonna talk about how much he sucks because it would start to sound like I'm describing the way people saw him at the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I would want to make it clear, like, oh, he was quite respected and People loved him. Yes, but but now we can expose him as the fraud that he yeah, was. What else sucks. did he, what other inventions did he like steal? Well, the light bulb is the biggest, but most of it, it was just Nikolai Tesla. Nikolai Tesla is just this incredible genius, but kind of social outcast who just like a lot of geniuses and artists just didn't have his arms around the finances mm-hmm. and the contract yeah. started and just kind of assumed I'm going to be treated relatively fairly. And he had no particular hunger for fame or fortune. So he figured I'd be fine. And um, even though he invented pretty much everything we use today from television to radio to alternating current, I mean, almost every technological advancement we have today, we owe to Nikolai Tesla. And he died poor and alone in some hotel room, owing people tons of money because he was treated badly and stolen from and tossed aside. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big bug bite for me. That's a bummer. I mean, I hate that story too, because it's like, it is sort of like a cautionary tale for any creative that just is like, I just want to create something and make the world a better place. When do that? But then the businessman comes along and takes advantage of that and goes, oh, this person's weak. I'm going to gobble it up and take all the money. And you see that in the history of uh, music too, a lot, right? Mm-hmm. People are gobbling up the music of yeah. you know, like in the beginning of Motown and jazz, like people getting really taken advantage of in a major way. And it's just like, what the fuck? Even with fuck? even with like technology, where with a social network, it's, it's like Zuckerberg and like three other people that created yeah. it, and then it's like those two get pushed out. And now he's the main person. Yeah. And, then- and and art too. You mentioned um, you know visual art. Somebody spends time making this creative, wonderful thing, and 
you know, TJ Maxx and sure. H&M yeah. just decided to slap it on a bunch of t-shirts. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, I made that. I thought you were yeah. saying TJ Maxx was a man. I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> but it would be so cool to do, I mean, not a spinoff, but to include little, to fold things in of like, we see history one way. This is actually like the real way. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's like a really cool thing of just kind of yeah. like rewiring what the truth was. I mean, I think we're all doing a lot of that now of what we've been taught versus what actually happened. Yeah. Well, and that's another yeah. like bug bite of mine is I think that we tend to look at our ancestors and certain parts of history with this really arrogant idea that we have figured it all out and everyone who was born more than 50 years prior to me was just this bumbling baby idiot child you know that just couldn't could they didn't even know about cell phone you know just whatever and it tends to look and sound so much like any other discrimination about a group of people that's far away from you Uh those idiots in fill in the blank country or those idiots who are really far away from me politically or those idiots who are so much younger than me or those idiots who are so much older than me just this i'm going to classify this group of people and just immediately be like they're they have no nothing their perspective is worthless instead of looking at humanity as and you it's pretty much you in just a different set of circumstances yeah 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 well oh, oh i thought you, you gave me a weird no, look no, i was no. like what the fuck i was trying to think if you were also thinking of fucking Anne frank at the same no time. no 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 <laughs> uh i do think that every generation thinks that they either they had it better when they were younger or that this new generation doesn't get it and blah blah but like that's been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. of people going like well when we were, you know these, these kids don't have a good understanding of value or the hard work you know, days hard work you know it's like okay every they didn't grow up the way you did they grew up in their way and that's their way and and i and i feel it believe me i i feel it already at in my 40s going like it is different and it scares me this new different and there's yeah. there's a moment where i don't know if you guys have had it where you are using technology go, geez, I don't even understand this anymore. And I'm like a tech person and I'm like, I don't want to learn TikTok. I just don't want to understand it. Please let this leave my life, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we'll see how it, how it plays out. But I think I was reading some article where like Bill Gates or someone was predicting that in a few years we will be having meetings like in the metaverse, you know, like, so basically we'll be putting goggles on and it seems crazy now. And I think Mm. before that used to be like in the conspiracy world, but now it's becoming real where it's like, some people really may like leave behind where it's like a ready, ready player one thing where we put on headsets and then we're in a different world. And then I'm like, then we're going to have a whole other type of divide of people living in this boring real world that we like, I still want to stay in. And then people living in like a, an online world. And mm-hmm. that scares me too. It will reflect, I think in a lot of ways, the move from um, rural agricultural societies to cities. Yeah, it will. I think that there'll be maybe we'll even go back to those plot lines in our movies and stuff. You know, I mean, it's the epic of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh was the wild man who lived in the woods. It was it was really kind of an artifact of like there are still human populations. As we know, there are still human populations that live in, you know, off the land and in very remote areas. And they are considered, quote unquote, primitive people. Sure. You know, because of their distance. And once we started getting into real industrial civilized cities, there was that divide and you could move back and forth. You could be born in one and Mm -hmm. go to the other. And and it was sort of understood that there was a hierarchy, but then people would want to go back to the original. You know what I mean? And I think that technology will be, will mirror that in a way and that we will have the people who live in the real Uh and the people who live in the virtual and then the, the tourists and the reality is that everyone will be sort of Both. working astride. They yeah. will be, they will not be able to disavow the advantages of the new, but 
but they won't be able to leave the love and uh, authenticity of the old. Right. Um, and I bet there's also going to be some type of invention where they like can just create our bodies to have like a homeostasis where if we need to go in the virtual world for like eight hours, there's some type of thing that like regulates us and just makes it so that, cause that's the one problem now is that we are still in our physical bodies and we need to like go to the bathroom or, you know, do things that I love you call that a problem. I mean, the only problem is that we still <laughs> have a breathing. physical body. But, 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 <laughs> Once I mean, we get out of our physical yeah. body, we're going to have a main, <laughs> the only problem to transhumanism, which are, but anyway, I do, yeah. do you have an Oculus? I have an Oculus. I use I it all don't. the time. I'm afraid I like, I kind of, I'm like, not, I'm hesitant. I'm definitely hesitant. I got an Oculus for working out during the pandemic. Really? Um, because, you know, you can be in different environments and move your body in a tiny, tiny space. And um, I love it. I don't use it for anything other than working out. Um, I think that the big shift will be when it's readily available that you can have like an actual like sexual experience. You can. Well, yes, I knew I do know that. But when it's so easy, when it's so easy that everyone has this, ah. that's when we're going to have a real a big switch because then everybody who's like, I'm lonely and I just, I just want someone to love me. And it's like, Oh, put my goggles on, put this canister, you know, flashlight thing on my, on my dick or the belt that I'm wearing or something inside me. And it's just like, and now I can feel when you have uh, the ability to have sensors on gloves and touches. And I mean, when all this is available at Best Buy, you know, and you could just go get that thing and download that program. But there are sexual stuff on, is it on Oculus? Mm-hmm. You have it? Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. Why? I know I should. Why? I will. I will. I'll report back. Could you? She has like a daughter. I will. Like, well, I I will oh, because I got like my husband is hot and we screw all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like good regular sex, so it would really just be like, oh, this is interesting. And honestly, when I have five minutes alone, I'm like, I'm getting tons of sex. I'm getting tons of great sex. I don't have time to read though, so if I have five minutes alone, I'm you not going to put my Oculus on and see if I can get off because yeah. I know how to do that. It's covered. <laughs> Yeah. But curi- and I, but I am curious. My my buddy did try it. And told it, he it was very awesome. He was like, yeah, I tried it. I gave it a try. It wasn't really for me. Yeah. Um. Because I think it's still to your point. There's no tactile. It's right. You still got to do the work. It's still virtual. Yeah. It's still, it's still too, virtual. It's too difficult. Yeah. But I see a future that maybe like your avatar may be doing a stand up gig. You know, to uh, to other avatars. Like I don't think it's. Oh I no, that's very. That's I think that's. Like, I think that's really close. I think that's not just within our lifetime. It's within our our young virile lifetimes. Yeah. That we would see that. Yeah. I'll be ready to die at like age seventy six or eighty or so. No, oh, you geez. won't. You've got too much life. You're gonna. Oh, you're gonna dance on our graves. All I'll of us. Fuckable. <laughs> and really quick, because the thing that you were saying where we were. Looking Looking back and being like, that was a better time. Yeah. That was, you, told, you told me something really interesting about Lincoln, um, about his depression. Uh, oh, right. Will yeah. you share too? Because I don't think all of us knew that. Like he really suffered from depression. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Um, and one of the best books, by the way, if you're looking for a good source is um, Team of Rivals. I forget the woman, the woman's name who wrote it off the top of my head, but it's fantastic. And it's a biography, essentially. And what it really traces is how, once he was president, he really surrounded himself with people who disagreed with him and people who had competed with him um, because he liked to be checked. And it was mm-hmm. important to him to have a differing opinion so that he, he was ultimately very confident and comfortable being the decider, but he liked to be surrounded by people who disagreed with him and each other. <laughs> um, but it talks about his youth, and he was very depressed. He was certainly would have been clinic defined as clinically depressed had we had the opportunity at the time suicidal wrote in letters and diaries that he wanted to die he knew he wanted to die and he just felt like he couldn't do it until he had done something important Mm. um and so the historical irony then of doing one of the most important 
events in American history, the emancipation of the slaves, and then being executed months later is, or years later, I mean, during his presidency, is like awful and horrible, but it was also so poetic. It was in a theater. Isn't that crazy he was that watching, he shot? Like, he was seeing a play. He was doing something he loved. And who knows where his harboring of longing, you know, to, to live had fallen. But uh, the universe... That was like, okay, well, you maybe, get what you wanted. Maybe he had set it up the whole thing. That's what it, that's maybe. what I was thinking. Maybe a hitman on himself. Yeah, he's just like, you know what? I did it and I'm going to I'm gonna double down. I'm going to die in this glorious way and watch yeah. this. I'll be in the books forever. John you know, the, the history of uh, the pursuit of John Wilkes Booth is actually very fascinating really? as well. Because it, he jumped off the balcony and ran off and they had to find him and then finding all the spies and all the people who helped him and it was this major manhunt and the, wow. there was a woman. They publicly executed them all and... Wow. Yeah, oh, it's very... The Manhunt for... is. I think it's called Manhunt. I think it's a book called Manhunt. About, really? About the pursuit of John Wilkes Booth. Was he like a Was he like a hired hit from someone else? I don't know. No, he was an actor. Oh. He was, he was an actor. I, I, I feel like his brother... Somebody's going to have to check my history on this one. Maybe this is a pop <laughs> quiz. But I think his brother was in the play. He was... A, they were both professional actors, but I think it was John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth's brother who was in the play that Lincoln was watching but because he was a known uh, entity around the theater and he wasn't particularly nervous you know he wasn't a soldier or whatever he wasn't English (laughs) that uh, not you know we still have the revolution you know there's still spies from other countries whatever that um, he had access to the booth and knew how to get to him and I just made that decision I I actually don't know why he hated Lincoln I mean he hated Lincoln Lincoln. Mm mm-hmm Mm. And it, and some of it was less, you know, now it's hard not to talk about Lincoln without being like, what, you hated the North, you liked the South, you loved slavery, like, why would you hate Lincoln? Right. But there were people that were still adamantly about just, like, too much power, mm. you know, to keeping a check on, on somebody who was king, even though, you know, Abraham Lincoln was not a very aspirational guy and didn't seem to, to do that. It was just sort of a bring the bastards down. What do you think is the best historical movie that's been made where you were like, this feels like a, a really good uh, representation of what I've read and what I've known. Oh, that's such a good question. Oh God, um, I, love, I love your little eyes twinkling. Like well, because the, there's movies so that I love sure. that are so not the right. history. And I, and I have to come to terms with that too. Like Braveheart. Oh God, I love Braveheart. I married a guy from Scotland in large part because he had a Scottish accent in the nineties is a hundred percent because of the movie Braveheart. <laughs> Um, not the husband you're really good sex with now. No, no, no. Sexual murder. And that movie is awesome. It's so bad. It's so historically yeah. Yeah, like, woof. Yeah, yeah. um, hmm, boy. A historical movie that really seemed like it got it right. This is going to be pretty cheap. This is going to be a cheap answer, but I think it's also the most accurate. We're just saving Private Ryan. Really? I feel like that opening scene mm-hmm. of them storming the beach mm-hmm. of Normandy no, I wasn't there. Um, but uh, I don't know how a cinematic experience, given the tools that we have right now, could show you a more accurate and harrowing from the sound design to yeah. the set. I mean, it was still, I mean, this was, we had computer animation obviously at this time, but that scene is yeah. largely practical. Uh, yeah, know? it is. Um they did something really interesting in that. And I, I may have spoke about this before, but it's like I took this uh, essentially like a color theory class on, on film. And it was like uh, Spielberg, who directed that film, did this thing where he used a specific grain, uh, you know, a film stock to do it and also used mostly gray and blue 
in the way that he shot it until the first bullet hits and you see that spark of red blood come out. And that's because when your eyes get focused on one color, it over, um, it overcompensates, right? So it's, uh, it's saying like, uh, all I'm seeing are blues and grays. So it really focuses on that and it heightens the other parts to sort of like figure that out. So then when that color comes into play on the scene, then it's so intense that it shocks your system. So if you watch that film, there's a couple minutes of just where it's blue and gray when they're getting to the beach and then that first bullet and the blood comes and you're just like, oh my God, it's just like, it punches you right in the face. Yeah. And I I loved that. I I loved loved like kind of understanding that. I loved it too. I also loved how the sound design in that movie, the slowing down when the ringing in the ear Mm -hmm. and that like pseudo slow motion and then how it would come kind of quick again. I've never been in combat. I've never even had like a bad car accident, but I can empathized and and sort of try to understand the how that a shock to the system that must be and i thought it was so beautifully yeah. represented i do love that film mm-hmm. it's great do you it's have a favorite so history good. one bo i feel like you're a, you're a um, like that kind of shit you know i don't know here's the thing is i the question i asked was if it, they got it right if it's accurate and i can't tell because i'm not a historian i don't really know i do think that uh, it's it's that movie is a great example i also thought schindler's list did a really good job and the and, red I, yeah and, and again it's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a Spielberg as the director. It's yeah. like this thing that it's so touching the way that the whole story is told and scary. Mm-hmm. I was scared in that film. It felt like a, it is a horror film in a way. And I say that just because of the atrocities that happened and you're like, how like, cause I'm not a person that feels like, I don't feel like I could become a person that wants to kill someone based on where they come from or what their background is. But like, it's scary to see that that is what was happening. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, this is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And it just got you. Mm. You know, that rings um, bells too of uh, Dances with Wolves, mm-hmm. which is, is not a, a real historical moment, mm-hmm. but is such, so historically appropriate, so historically accurate in terms of the setting. And I, what I really love about Dances with Wolves is that it portrayed the Caucasian American forces with all their flaws. Mm. With all of the sort of American stuff that we love, which is Kevin Costner going out on his own and and absorbing the landscape and meeting the people and, you know, being a part of it. And also the ugliness of like the army and these just like stinky, toothless, mean, awful, you know, kind of locusts moving across the prairie. Um, And Last of the Mohicans, I feel like similarly had that like but really think about wearing a corset on a wagon train. And they yeah. really show you like girls got to wear a corset on a wagon train. Like, God, yeah. You know? Yeah. The only thing I have a problem with in those, that era of movies is they did feel very Hollywood. If that's even a term that I can use. And I, I like dance with wolves. Um, I liked uh, the last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans. I just also think it's, they're very much of that time mm-hmm. and where it's like, there's kind of this, there's a cheese to it. There's Less in Last of the Mohicans and more in Dances, I think. Yeah. But, well, certainly for Kevin Costner. What is nice, yeah. though, is like, you're totally right, but at least they have rotten teeth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You're right. You're yeah. right. They have rotten teeth and their clothes have holes in them. And the yeah. actors were cast in the, their um, ethnic groups instead of just put, making Italians. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. is Italian. Yeah. Anyone who's not pink is Italian. Well, and I'll say this. I watched this film that is not... I don't think historically accurate, but it's called the searchers with John Wayne mm-hmm. and they just do a really bad job of like all the Indians are just, it just, you just can't, I can't even stomach it. 
I mean, it's still a good film, and I'll I'll go to my grave saying that. But uh, <laughs> it was just good for that 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 time. But yeah. I argue about this film so much with people. I really do. Um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> and wait, also this reminds me: Are you still are you still doing also Universal Studios kind of like sometimes? Okay, because I was trying to tell Bo, I was like. She's a paper boy there, but is that what it? it of course, like I have no historical reference of anything. Is that what, what? Like, are you from the 1920s or? No, I am on New York Street. So, so Universal Studios Hollywood has the uh, fake New York Street with like the brownstone walk-ups, sure, and sure. there's a yellow taxi cab, and it's playing New York, New York, and it's where Marilyn and Lucy kind of appear. And on the second floor windows, uh, m- myself and my colleagues pop out. Uh, we open the windows and pop out, lean out with our coffee, and we got our hair up in rollers and our dress on, and we, oh my gosh, Bo, look at you, honey, I haven't seen you in forever, how's your mother, you know, and we talk, and you're, we're, we're co- coffee talk, or whatever, and sure. it's, it's co- technically, it's 1967, oh, okay. but we're not like time travelers, we're not like, what's that? phone you have there that's like yeah your yeah. modern day 60 it's just versus, the yeah, idea yeah. is that when the dodgers moved to la so did we oh uh, my gosh that's so kind funny. of is kind of the premise and that this is the neighborhood just built up around us we don't know they brought us here you know and time stood still for us so we know all this stuff that's going on <laughs> but like time we don't know we just we park we open these where we love this we see all the fashion look at you <laughs> you know we I heard there's dino that. there's dinosaurs downstairs and like uh, in october when like halloween horror nights comes in we're like oh you gotta get excited because very weird around here after sunset we go like you know <laughs> I mean? oh that's so cute i love that i told him that you were a paper boy from the 1920s <laughs> yeah i was like <laughs> I don't, what is happening <laughs> Well, I no. think the other thing is, is like, uh, like we've been talking about your, your podcast and, and, and you clearly know your shit with historical stuff. Um, but also comedy. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're by all means a comedian. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about that journey? Cause I mean, I think the one thing that Meryl said to me, spoiler alert was like, oh, she opened for Jay Leno. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Like this is, she's got this podcast. I'm like, she's like us. She's all over the place and you can't define her with one sentence. (laughs) No, thank God. Right. Um, I think it's because I just, I've never, I've never had any money. So like I have to say yes to every job I can, I get. And if it's a performing job, then I say yes, really loud. And, um, (laughs) you know, and then over the time you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's, that's what my job and so much stuff. So I, I've always been around comedy. I'm, I'm, I'm funny and I like being around funny people. And yeah. I also, um, am smart. So I kind of know what's fun. Like I like mm-hmm. the chemistry of uh-huh. funny. I like, you're such a good punch up person. I want to like punch the wall through. You're like the best, oh. like Don could like sit around a room and like assassinate like this joke, this joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very, that's that in itself is a huge skill in writing and performing is uh. being able to like take someone else's joke and, and you can't, it and it's like masturbation or scratching your own back, you know, and, you <laughs> yeah. can be good. and sometimes, but you can't always apply it to yourself. So it's so great to have friends like Meryl and other comedians to, sure. to do it for you. But it is, it's that like, I like why, why 17 is funny, but 22 isn't. And I like why, you know, K is funny, but L isn't, you know, the, some of that stuff or why you should you get really, I don't know. I, I like the, the, um, construction of comedy as much as doing it and consuming it. Um, but I didn't do stand up comedy until I moved to Los Angeles. I lived in the twin cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is a great town for theater and a great town for comedy and improv, but not a lot of stand up there, mm. at least not when I was there. I think it's gotten significantly better actually in the last seven years. But a few venues where you can do great comedy, but just not a, a culture and an atmosphere of like clubs and gigs and stuff. And so when I moved here, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to, to try mm. that. It seemed like a really natural fit. And it's similar to how I came to podcasting, which is like, oh, of course, because you write jokes, 
you think in the form of a joke and you have been a host and you stand up in front of people. Like it, it seems like a natural fit and podcasting was similar. Like I have the technology. I, I get it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I loved, I sit down, I talk people's ear off about, about history that's what I do. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you sit down, you go, I was in Toledo this weekend. Oh, Toledo, Ohio. Do you know in 1774, <laughs> there was a fight in the middle of Toledo? You know, and I can't, I can't, no, tell, there's me nothing more. I can tell me more about Toledo. <laughs> Cause both from Ohio. I'm from so, Ohio. Oh, really? I was making that up, but, oh, uh, fuck. but it's the kind of thing. No, I don't even think there was an Ohio in 1770. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so it seemed like one of those things that if I played my cards right, I could be good at it and yeah. I could probably make a little money at it. Yeah. And as long as, and I like it. So yeah. if I like it and I'm pretty good at it and I can make a little money at it, then I kind of throw myself into it. And right now, um, stand-up comedy has been such a gift. I love it. That's I awesome. love it. And I've been I've been uh, touring a little bit and I, yeah, I got I'm to so open proud of you. open for Jay Leno uh, uh, in at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank a few times and probably some more times coming up in the future. And That's awesome. Yeah, I think I told this story on here. Which is um, after one of your, because now you're like, you and Jay are, are tight, but like <laughs> one of the first shows that you did with him that he had a punch up for you of one of your jokes, right? But you said it was so funny where like it's about uh, either a cow or something, but you said that like you were just mimicking, like taking taking something into your mouth and like squirting it in or something. And then they got it on camera. So all you have is like Jay Leno whispering in your ear and then you doing like the, with like yeah. a penis. With, like, yeah, <laughs> totally. It's, it's 100% true. I, I was so stoked because like, I know he's not the host of The Tonight Show anymore, but you know the legend of like, oh, yeah. if a comic does well on The Tonight Show yeah. and they invite you over to sit down. So I was still kind of in that like world of like, yes. oh, we talked. And he watched my set and he laughed. And then when it was my turn, to introduce him this was the first time that we had like you know worked together I was like oh my god he shook my hand and he said I have something for you yeah I got a punch up for you and it was that I tell the joke about uh, <laughs> cows uh, in Wisconsin our biggest export isn't cheese it's it's cow uh, bovine genetics which is semen <laughs> and so it's not cheese it's jizz so yeah. like, and he was like oh that's so funny he's like you know you should do jizz whiz and I did yeah I go yeah and I sprayed like I'm spraying cheese whiz in my mouth but yeah, the camera's position, it just looks from the bird's eye view that me and Jay are talking together pleasantly. And then out of the blue, I just go, like I'm, <laughs> and it holds up like a fake penis. I'm like in my mouth, on my chest, <laughs> on my mouth, on my chest. And then Jay kind of smiles and walks away. He takes the paper back and walks away. Because <laughs> <laughs> looks so sad. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Now, before we get into like history shit show, have you had any crazy stand-up comedy shit show moments. I mean, one that I could think of was that one of my my very, very first show, our fire alarm went off and Don basically had to like stretch and it was every like person's nightmare where, you know, like now you're in a full crowd of like, welcome. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah. And you, of course, you're like the most well-versed person for that. Like no one's worried about you 1%. So besides that moment, it was, did anything ever like go wildly wrong during a stand-up? set or uh i've been really lucky uh-huh. not in stand-up but it could be because I've, I've done so many different kinds of performing jobs like i used to do hosting and emceeing for uh game shows and corporate events so hundreds hundreds of corporate ballrooms and convention centers and like meeting rooms within corporate headquarters where i just like walk in and are like, hey, everybody, it's, you know, Bob from accounting said that you, yeah. and I'm running some <laughs> raffle or I'm playing some sure. big bingo game or I'm trying to get them to p- coordinate and build a tower out of blocks. I don't know. But I would do it for, for I mean, like four days a week, years and years and years. And those scenarios, so many things where I did one, one of the biggest shit show moments there was we were doing a clue game. 
where it was a cast and we were doing a game and they all had to like solve the mystery of like who killed the boss or whatever. And it was, um, they, they were like, okay, so everybody, they, they, they're eating and had their appetizers. They were, Here's the cast. We're about to do your entertainment. But before I bring the cast up, you're all fired and we're closing the company. Okay, say hello to the company. Oh, no. Honest to God, it was like the announcement was you're all f- have no more job. At their corporate event? At a big corporate. It was like they had thrown this party to fire everybody, but they told everybody about <laughs> it. It like a Michael Scott like, Wait, office I moment. I swear right to God. Right before you go on they stage? Lit- it was like, and you're all fired. Now put your hands together for the entertainment no, for no, the evening. For, it was, for the, the yuck yuck five yeah. up here on stage. And we were like. Did people think they were joking? There was like mumbling. People were getting up and we we were like, fuck this guy. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was it was one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened. Honestly, the rest of it is kind of a blur. We were all drinking yes. heavily. He announced that everyone was getting it fired. Was, I mean, it was I'm, I'm putting a slightly highlighted version. Yes. Of it. But yes, the message right before we were brought on was we're done now. You're all out of a job. <laughs> oh, my God. That is like really, truly the craziest thing I've ever and heard. We walked on stage like kittens coming out of a box yeah the, just like looking <laughs> yeah. at each other and kind of falling down and like oh what whoa God. so that was very bizarre or people like you know drink 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 drinking the the event coordinator and for whatever reason they start to get nervous about your comedy even though i'm not saying anything i'm not saying the f word i'm not showing my tits i'm yeah. not yeah. i'm not speaking about politics not yet anyway. no, yeah, right, you right, hold right, your money, breath yeah. bitch you watch um, <laughs> and just getting like shut it down you know like getting offended like my boss doesn't seem to like it i need everything to stop you know and oh, you sometimes i hate these people are dealing with people's like i'm nervous on other people's behalf or i'm and just shut it down you know, and you'd be like, yeah. what's that? And they'd be like, we're done. We're done. I'd be like, I'm, oh, it was- Isn't it hard to step in and like, because I feel like I'm not around that type of life so much, like, because, you know, I have chosen to like, a create. We, yeah. I think all three of us can say that we've like carved a path out that we're, we don't really encounter that. And then it's crazy that that's like people's day and day, day lives where it's. Or the, stretching. Yeah. Stretching can be the thing that makes people nuts too. I never mind stretch. Like what the person isn't here. Can you just go up and tell them a few things? And then you're like, everybody, thank you so much. You know, I think that was great. We're going to have our salads are coming up next. And you're thinking it's a couple minutes and they just keep doing this because <laughs> yeah. like someone hasn't that come person in. person hasn't shown up. <laughs> And like, I don't mind that. I don't ever remember being really thrown by that. So I think it was good training in essence to be a stand-up. At my show, we've had to unfortunately do this thing where everything is great. We've got a headliner and our feature and, or a feature and headliner and the headliner cancels like an hour before. And you're like, ah, fuck. This was a person we've been like kind of Mm. telling everyone we have. Right. And so then we look at the feature and we go hey can we take 20 minutes and then push it to 40 minutes and then they're like i don't have another 20 i've only got a 20 minute yeah. set but i'll do my best you know it's like and then i'm just like i have to leave the room mm-hmm. because even if it's great i, I can't that i will chew off all my nails just because yeah. like, you just you feel bad for putting someone in that position one mm-hmm. and then you feel double bad because you're like if it goes horrible then everyone's gonna look at the show and be like oh geez what happened to him what happened to the last guy and that's not fair to him it's like it's it really is a sucky situation yeah that's bad well and i i've been doing these gigs in palm springs which is about a two and a half hour drive outside of los angeles which means if i and i'm often the host and the mc and so you're just rolling with the fact that maybe some of your lineup is going to not show up or be late yeah and um in that possible, I'm probably uh, the best suited person for that kind of situation because I've also run so many sh- games mm. that I think if, if I only had 20 minutes of material and they said do 40 minutes, I would do my 20 minutes of material and run a dating game from the crowd. Yeah. 
I would be like, who's single out there and get and do and just turn it on them. And, and that's one of those situations where they're like, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. We need you to like end right (laughs) now. Like an hour later. I'm like, but Bob's going to fall in love with Angela. Oh my God. I just remembered. You also got a big laugh from the true love of my life. Adam Carolla. Were you, as he was walking, you have balls of steel as he was walking off stage because he's notoriously known for having said women aren't funny or something. And I, you like called after him about some line about that. And he I, like, he really like, like truly laugh laughed. I forget what you I even said. said uh, oh, Adam Carolla. He is so funny for a guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he liked it. Like, he, he did. He, he, he spun around. Funny. He spun around. He went, Whoa. Oh my God. That's so cool. I mean, just in the corner. He of was party. though. So funny. Yeah. He really was so funny. Some people feel like yeah I think people are, are tired <laughs> not of it I think both are t- me talking about him constantly it's like me talking about how I like counting crows in high school yeah. you know what I mean it's like great <laughs> you did but we don't need to, we don't need to revisit it anymore everybody knows you want to suck his dick it's all no it's not yes you Actually, do yes you do I would but yes. that's not all what yeah, it's don't, about don't, don't act what no okay I it's totally his would. mind dick it's his mind oh. dick yeah like I like it, it now and I've even got a lot of people I think w- when you listen to a podcaster day in and day out you're just going to have moments where you're kind of fatigued of them in general and i think he he has a high rate of listeners that get fatigued just because he is known to ramble on about the same subjects over and over but it is hard because he has to fill like a daily two-hour show oh, it's so lot. it's that's like a two hours a day that's yeah. a lot yeah but i really i don't understand those comedians that do a podcast by themselves no that's a lot that to me is like well, how how are you just looking in the camera i'm like yeah. i'm i'm gonna say something important i mean they do it. I mean, I think Bill Burr has a podcast that he does, Theo and, yeah, and he Chris, just looks yeah. at the screen and rants for a bit. I'm like, wow, you really got to be like, <laughs> you know, what, well, I started. That was kind of how I started when I was first messing around with this because yeah. I thought video like I didn't really think about doing just audio I don't know yeah. why I'm just a performer it always seems like you should see my face and my hands right um <laughs> and so I did when I was first toying around like four or five series of videos about the history of whatever and I did like the history of the crusades and stuff yeah. and it was me talking to the camera yeah and getting really excited like I was talking to somebody it was so exhausting a I didn't I, it was it felt artificial it felt like it was it gonna be kind of fun to watch but probably not for long because yeah. I'm definitely talking to nobody <laughs> and it was impossible to edit Um, I was just gonna say that the editing as soon as you said video I was like the amount of work that goes into editing of an audio podcast right like an Mm -hmm. audio uh, cast of any sort is like it's enough and then to throw in video you're like oh fuck and that's why you see these videos that are edited so shitty and and then you've got to keep people's attention in a different way and they're not gonna listen to your YouTube while they're in their car probably maybe they will maybe people do that but I think most people don't so, uh, so you did the right thing. I think so too. <laughs> I think this right is thing. this is the jam, and you guys are so attractive. I will say this: you're both so fuckable and so attractive oh. that you are definitely doing your listeners a disservice by not being oh. on video. I will say. That. Well, no, no, no. We're still trying to fuck all of our listeners. So, oh, okay, yeah, we're by we went through every single one of yeah. them at lunch. Yeah, okay, we went, went through every single good. one. But you're just right. We are eggplant, eggplant, eggplant. We we're still we're kind of still old school, not even old school, but just like young and or older and afraid, where we need to do some type of like even if it's just a segment from each of our shows online. Cause that is how I do see a lot of like YouTube podcasts and yeah. even TikTok. Like there's a lot to keep up with as a podcaster, but yeah, I know Bo's tired. It's Can someone else do tired. that? Can we hire a, yes, we want to get my that, virtual that, assistant back. Yeah. What's, what I was hired her name? one. It will, the latest one was a man, but his, the power went out in his village. And so <laughs> 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 he, 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 I swear he had to travel just to email me that he could no longer fulfill my duties because oh. he literally lost power. 
Did you just Venmo him a hundred dollars anyway, though? No, I just. When do you think it would be that, back up for for Merrill's? The people what she's paying of that's like ten years worth of salary. I'll say, when, I'll, say I'll buy the energy company. I can probably honestly so just Merrill, buy his. Now there's Merrill Electric. <laughs> yeah. Now it's Mama Merrill. Mama Merrill. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, really quick because I know you've been so gracious with your time. Do you have a few minutes to tell us like a a big shit show moment in history in yes. general? I'm gonna t- I'm gonna try to tell you this very quickly. So. 1934 United States. We have, it's the boom of the 1930s gangster. Okay. We've got George Machine Gun Kelly, John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, Machine Gun Kelly, right? And they're running, and it's fantastic because essentially we have automobiles now that can go a lot faster. And we have these machine guns from World War I that are fantastic. And our law enforcement agency is state by state. So if you, Dillinger discovered, rob a state in Illinois and then bust ass over to Wisconsin, it's like you went to Canada. Damn. There is no Federal Bureau of Investigation. There is a Bureau of Investigation, the BOI, the boy, and they are trying to become this national law enforcement agency. But FBI agents are largely college boys who have never been in the military, have no experience with guns, and they're figuring it out as they go. Wow. John Dillinger is public enemy number one. He is you want to talk about health girl this chin alone and he has escaped prison twice and he's busted his friends out of jail and he's robbing banks left and right and he's made he is on the cover of every newspaper and the fbi is like we gotta fucking get dillinger or we are worthless right right and they are being humiliated at every turn they get this lead he's up in a resort in northern wisconsin a town um uh, a town called manitowish waters doesn't matter it's near rhinelander doesn't matter it's middle of nowhere <laughs> and um there's this old like bootleggers house that like the gangsters know that's kind of safe and they can go there but dillinger is public enemy number one and the woman in the house slips a note in her cigarettes to her brother that is like dillinger's fucking here oh. He gets word to the FBI, and the FBI is like, yeah, we got to get him. So they get on a plane. Oh, my God, 1934. They get on a plane. They fly to Rhinelander, and they get on their cars, and they start to bust ass up to this house to get Dillinger. None of them have fired a gun. They have no gun training. They don't know how cold it is in northern uh, Wisconsin in April. It's still winter. winter There's snow yeah. everywhere. So one car breaks down. Then, So the other agents just jump on the riding boards of the second car. So they're freezing, freezing cold. They get to the hotel. They They've been told there's five men inside. They get to the hotel. The dogs start barking. So there's chaos, chaos. And they're waiting in there. There's, they got to get Dillinger. They're so hard for Dillinger. Door opens to the hotel and five guys walk out. Three of them get in the car and, the, and they yell, stop, stop. FBI. Nobody knows what the FBI is. The dogs are barking. They've started the engine in 1934. They've just come. They're minors. They're like, the FBI opens fire on the car. <laughs> Kills one of the men. The two other fallout shot. In the meantime, as the things start dying out, they start hearing the two men. No, there are customers. There are customers. Five people walked out because it was two bartenders and three guests. Oh, oh my God. They, in the meantime, of course, the Dillinger gang has jumped out the back yeah. window and is gone. They're already in a different state or something. Or, but yeah. they don't even know they've escaped. So they now have one guy bleeding out dead in the middle of the road. They have two other guys who are bleeding and shot, but they survive. The real gang is gone, and they have no idea, so they spend the next seven hours on this stakeout outside the house yelling, come on, Dillinger, come on out, we've got you. Finally, the women come out, because they're like, we're going to light this place on fire. The women, all their girlfriends and wives come out, and they're like, girl, they've been gone, girl, for a while. 
So Melvin Purvis has to go back to J. Edgar Hoover and explain that not only did they not catch Dillinger, they shot three innocent people, killed one of them, and just arrested all the women. And the joke going around the FBI at the time about Purvis was like, he may not get his man, but he gets the man's woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So then how much longer was it until they... Did they end up catching? Yeah, Dillinger? months later. They eventually months later? months later. Because part of the problem, the FBI was they were bad at it. They didn't know what they were doing. Their agents were all the same guy. You know what I mean? Who graduated from the same college. Yeah. The same. And they um weren't allowed to carry firearms and that were that were as big as the the gangsters. So once they got the power to make the arrest themselves, meaning they didn't have to go through the often corrupt local police departments sure. to apprehend the criminals, yeah. they could arrest them themselves. And once they were given guns that were as powerful as the ones the gangsters were carrying, and once they were able to sort of strip away the support group, make your ma and pa who were glad to hide Dillinger in their barn because what's the big deal once they started going to jail? Yeah. It, it fell apart and they ultimately shot John Dillinger in the back. Pretty sure he was unarmed as he left a movie. A movie starring Clark Gable. Clark Gable playing a gangster based on John Dillinger. Cleft chin, good guy, wow. gone bad. Really? So he had gone on a date with his girlfriend and uh, two ladies. One of them is, is Anna Sage, the woman in red. She was actually wearing orange, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and um, Spielberg's color correction. They went out, I know, they go out, and, and she was betrayed him. Anna Sage told the FBI, I'm going out to a movie with John Dillinger tonight. You'll know who he is because I'll be wearing the red dress. I'll well, be on his arm and I'll be in a red oh dress. Oh, my God. So they go to the movie and the, and the and they they're walking out of the movie and he kind of started to sense something was up, and like pushes the two women away and starts to run and they chase him down an alley and shot him in the back. Wow! Wow! I hope. I wonder. Did she get like a bounty for it or? You know what? All she asked was to not be deported. She was a Romanian oh. immigrant who had a son, and they fucking deported her anyway. Oh, really? Well, that's the FBI. That's the FBI. Yep. He said, "You bet. I'll do my best." Melvin Purvis said, "I'll do my best." And they deported her anyway. Wow. So Melvin's definitely one of the biggest shit shows we've ever heard. Oh, Mel- Melvin Purvis kind of sucks, but J. Edgar Hoover sucks way more. Because like Melvin Purvis, after he shot, a, shot, he wasn't the one who pulled the trigger, but he was the guy who led the mm-hmm. operation. He got all of this fame, and J. Edgar Hoover hated anyone standing up, sticking out. He didn't even like him to be married. He can't wear color. He can't have a picture or a plant on your desk. Like he wanted these uniform. He wanted robots. Deal. And so when Melvin Purvis started to get a little famous, he kind of sidelined him and ultimately pushed him out of the bureau. Wow. And that was a shit, but it was a shit show. The FBI was a total, it still is. Yeah. They, 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 they're, yeah. They're FBI, CDC, anything with acronyms at this point. <laughs> LOL. Three letters. LOL. Yeah. Uh, PBS. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you're like my favorite human. Oh, and I'm so, you guys, I'm a fan too. I didn't even mention this. I'm a fan of your show. I listen all the time. I told, I told Meryl, I like, I love you guys. I love you guys as individuals, but I really love the honest and authentic way you talk because if I turn off a podcast, like if I don't like the way people talk, like, yeah, when it's a two-person podcast, it's sometimes it's either way too much bullshit, jib jab that you're like, ugh, get to, you know what I mean? Get to the meat potatoes. Or they're dodging interesting stuff, like they're jib jabbing, and when they start to get into something that you're like, oh, there's drama, they like move on. But like you guys will be like, I'm disappointed in you, and you'll be like, that hurts my feelings, <laughs> and then you're like, it's really cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> We're just little bitches that like, yeah, no, we've we made like a pact early on that even if it's to the detriment of like our relationships and friendships, sometimes we'll try to tell the truth as much as possible. And like I, a few episodes ago, I had talked about a very delicate friend situation. And I did it knowing like, oh God, if this gets back to them, they're going to be upset. But we try to like, we try to tell everything we can, like literally everything, but still tactfully and not hurting too many people. 
Well, it makes yes. it really interesting to listen to. Thank we appreciate you. that. You're awesome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much Gosh. for having me. Okay, wait and follow you at tell because I want everyone to. Yes. So you've got you. you've got me is at Don Brody and it's B R O D E Y. It's underscore Don underscore Brody is me and Hilf podcast H I L F podcast. And then it's everywhere you can find podcasts at everywhere every two weeks everywhere including India. <laughs> I worked really hard to get that con- <laughs> including <laughs> India. And then you're also like a very friendly human. So if people mm-hmm. want to tell you their Hilf or like yes. you know I know down the road you're probably going to be doing some like listener based episodes. So like people can definitely write to you. Right. I love it. Yeah, I love it when people. I'm very friendly and I love hearing when people are like that's not how it went. And I also love people hearing me like, I didn't know that, but I love it. I love all contact. Okay. Good. You heard me. Yeah. <laughs> Even the all of it. Okay. Good. Even awkward eye contact. All of it. <laughs> You're the best. We love Thank you. you. Oh, You're great. You. Thanks. Thank you. I love that when we first met Dawn, she was with her little daughter. And her daughter asked if you were a mailman because you had a striped shirt on. I had a striped shirt on. And then on top of that, I was carrying a case. Oh my, my, my roller case. And so just she just thought, like, I'm a mailman. That is so cute. Yeah. I oh. thought she was asking at first if you were, like, a male or, like, a female. Oh. <laughs> I was like, sweetheart, mm, we don't know. We're still, it's still out. Yeah. <laughs> the verdict. Um, <laughs> Dawn's awesome. Yes. Totally stoked about checking out her podcast and uh, highly recommend that you do the same. I actually, I listened to a couple episodes and was really, uh, I really liked what she's doing. Yeah, me too. Honestly, it makes me interested in history, which I never, Mm -hmm. I think it's so funny how the way we learn is Mm -hmm. so important to whether or not we stay interested. That's everything, you know, because I'm like, history is super, super interesting. I just think we all were taught in a way where it's like, oh, it's boring. Especially people my age around that, where it's like they didn't, now I'm sure they bring in movies and documentaries and all this stuff has been done. When I was growing up, it was like, Okay, so Braveheart, a historical movie. It's like, this is not historical at all, right? Right. And so you never really got to see any of that stuff. It was always like, look at a book, see the Indians. Yep, they're having Thanksgiving dinner yeah. with the. It's like, no, they're not. We didn't not. do anything to hurt them. Yeah. Just move aside, move along. With it. What's fun. what's slavery? That never happened. It's yeah. like, okay, come on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was that was great. I loved all of her stories, and and I'm a little worried for you that you have such an obsession with James Polk, but you know, I'm it, in it. It is what it is. It is what it, it is. is. What it is. Uh, Thank you, Don. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, God, for making someone like Don. Which, who knows if it's God? Thank you, evolution. Okay. And I th- you're losing me. You're okay. Losing okay. Me I'm hard. sorry. Okay. You're I'm losing me hard it. with the God bullshit. Thank you, Allah. <laughs> no, we have to go. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Okay. You need to. Uh, Thank you, Oprah. Let's go have some history. Okay. Uh, until next time. Okay. Bye, bye. Bye, God. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question, or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show.